little nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. Never apologize for being nerdy. All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. All right, let's do this. Welcome, nerds and nerdettes, to the Nerd Night Nations podcast. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you are just discovering us, welcome, and we hope you enjoy. Um, I'm Melissa Nicholson, ambassador for the Great White North of Canada, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jared Boots, the ambassador for the Midwest United States. How are you today, Jared? Oh, by the time this episode gets released, that means I'll be full of turkey, so I'm good. <laughs> Having food Which for you out there in Canada, just been just been another Thursday for you up in Canada. Yep, nothing special about about uh, Thursday because <laughs> we do our Thanksgiving first. <laughs> it's not a competition, Pam. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, you ready to talk some books? Yeah. Greetings, nerds and nerdettes, and welcome to the Nerd United Nations, from the printed page to the silver screen, a segment in which we trade our thick glasses for our monocles and compare a motion picture to the piece of classic literature it was based on. Tonight's subject, Stephen King. As you can tell from the title episode, it's titled From the Page to the Screen. And this is something new we're trying out where we're going to read a book and then watch the film that it's based off of and try to just compare and contrast the two. So for the first time around, we decided to go with Stephen King. So we're going to start with Melissa. And Melissa, which book and film did you pick? Uh, I picked uh, Stephen King book, uh, Dr. Sleep. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you... Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about it? Well, uh, obviously it was a book by Stephen King. Um, it was written, uh, the book released on September 24th, 2013. And then um, a couple years later, um, the movie came out, which was written and directed by Mike Flanagan. And the movie came out on November 8th, 2019. Yeah, the movie is about uh, kind of kind of a continuing story of Danny Torrance, um, who is overcoming his... Uh, he's kind of struggling to overcome his traumatic past. Um, obviously, what we know from The Shining, he's had quite the childhood. <laughs> And so he, as he's um, recovering or overcoming this, he's also, you know, recovering from sobriety or 
from alcoholism and all that kind of stuff. And he finds a little girl who shares the same gift that he does. Um, and after that, he goes on a quest to protect her from the this group called the True Knot. And they're a, a bad group of people who um, basically they, they take interest in specific children who... And I guess people, too, um, who have a gift, who have a gift of psychic abilities and um, who basically, like, the term is they shine. And so they take a liking to them and they will uh, kidnap the children and take them and take their steam, which is basically, like, their sort of their human energy. And so Danny, he... um, He meets up a little girl, Abra, Abra Stone and um, protects her from this group um, because they kind of catch catch wind of her and so they're trying to find her and um, so basically it's it yeah that's how it goes <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's quite the um, the book itself is kind of a slow burn um, it's it's a lot of um, you're kind of really getting to know Danny and sort of where he is, where he's at in life. Um, he's really at a, um, he's basically hit rock bottom, um, in his alcoholism and eventually, like, he gets help and everything. And then that's, as he's sort of recovered or recovering still, he meets Abra and, um, and then it's, they're, they're, interactions and and then getting entangled in the the true knot stuff and in the book it's just very it's a lot of the like the true knot trying to find them um getting little flashbacks of them um or images that come into their head because they kind of get a bit sort of connected psychically and um yeah (laughs) and it's it's a slow burn and then it just kind of goes near the end. It's a sort of a zero to a hundred of just lots of stuff going on. And uh, it's a really great book. Um, I really enjoy it. It's, it. This was my second time reading it. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really good, a really good book. Um, and the, and the movie absolutely does it justice. Like it, it, a lot of, um, a lot of what's in the movie is is what you see in the in the book. Basically, what you don't see a lot of in the movie is a lot of the like the traveling with the like the true knot. But if you did that, if you added that in the movie, it would be like a twelve hour long movie. So <laughs> it's not it's not the most important thing. And and um, I think you know Mike Flanagan did an amazing job of bringing the book to life. Mike Flanagan's done some other Stephen King stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, he's done um, uh, the one that comes on top of my head is Gerald's Game. He did that I one. I was thinking, I thought I was either thinking Gerald's Game or Into the Tall Grass, but no, I think he he did Gerald's Game, and then he's done. Um, I think that might be the only Stephen King one. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, but I know he's he's done other various horror films and stuff like that. Now that you've heard Melissa's uh, description of both the book and the film, what we're going to do now is we, there's a, 
we each have seven questions that we're going to answer. Just uh, your typical run of the mill questions about the book and the film. And then we each ask each other to write our own questions to ask each other about the book or the film. So uh, the first question is, you just said it was the second time you read the book. When was the first time you read the book? Uh, the first time I read the book, it was, um, it was around when the trailer for the movie Dr. Sleep came out, which I can't remember exactly when that was, um, because I was really interested in, in seeing, um, in seeing the movie, but I wanted to, I knew it was a book, so I wanted to read the book first and then see the movie, um, so it was it was around there, which I can't remember exactly when um, when the trailer came out. But yeah, it was sort of right after that that I read the book. And then when was the first time you saw the film? I uh, saw the movie in um, in January, actually, because I didn't get a chance to see it. I wanted to see it in theaters, um, but then I didn't. I just didn't get around to seeing it in the theater. So when it finally um, finally came to streaming, I saw it there, and it was in January when I finally saw it. January or February, somewhere around there. Nice. I was invited to go see it when it came out, but I just wasn't feeling it at the time, I guess, when it came out. I was invited like opening weekend to go see it, but I just never... Yeah. I still haven't seen it as, as the time we record, but... It's on. It's either on HBO Max or Peacock. One of those two. I threw it on my watch list to watch for later. Yeah. Um, what are some things you thought the book did better than the film? Um, I think I don't know if there's really anything that the book did did better. Um, I think it's obviously. You know, a book is going to have a little bit more detail and go a little bit more in depth with the characters, so you you really get to know them and know the world that they're in, and um, so I really like that with the book that you really you get to know this, um, get to know the characters, get to know the group, the true knot. Um, you know, you're you're really going through everything that the characters are going through. Like you, you know, you get a good chunk of. Um, the true knot and what they do and and all the effort they put into trying to find Abra and then also find um, you know like other children they well they only there's a well there's only one that they they um, encounter and and kidnap because they're they're low on steam apparently so um, but um, yeah, I think it's it's the more in depth and detail um, is is what I think that obviously the book does better, of course, because you know you can do that. Um, but um, I don't know. I wouldn't. Although I do, um, I do have to say, like with um, with the book, you get you know like a little bit of you know like the the sort of the shining stuff and sort of reflecting on that and the experiences. And so, yeah, it's kind of neat, but um, yeah, the big thing that they, that it does better, but that's of course the book is in depth and detail about it. But 
otherwise, yeah, <laughs> there is there isn't much that the book does does better than the movie. I was listening to an episode. Uh, I was re-listening to an episode of uh, Anything Goes with Tim Rooney with uh, Jeremy Lloyd and Andy DiGenova on there talking. They're talking about the film Christine, and they're talking about Jeremy Lloyd was mentioning the book and how in depth King goes into writing books, and they make jokes about how Stephen King uh, loves to drag out stuff when he writes. Like he does not have. I think they said if like he was a Superhero in the Marvel Universe, he wouldn't be the guy that doesn't have a backspace on his typewriter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you thought that the film did better in the book? Yes, actually. Um, there's actually quite a few little... Th- and the, it's very subtle things. I found that the, the movie did better. But I, I liked... Um, but I thought it worked. Like, I, I really liked the approach that the movie took with it. Um, there was one thing that, that sort of stood out with me was, um, the, in the book, um, Danny meets with Dick Halloran, and who, obviously we meet in The Shining, who sort of was a, a bit of a mentor to Danny, and because he has the same gift as, as Danny, and in the book, he gives Danny a lockbox so that he can, and he has to memorize it and and remember it, what it looks like, so that he sees something come in his mind, he can trap it and lock it away. And what I really like about, like in the book, um, it's a more modern box. It's it's like a, a more modern box, and it's got like a keypad to put in a code to unlock the box. Whereas in the movie, um, they give, they give him, um, he gets given a, well, it's, it's not, cause it's not a physical box because in the movie, Dick Halloran is, comes to him as like a psychic kind of spirit guide. Um, and sits with him on a park bench and they talk and he gives him this, um, like older lockbox and it's the same one that was given to Dick when he was a kid, um, a younger child. And I think that I like that approach a lot better than giving him a modern box. Cause I just feel like it's, he's passing it down to Danny. Like he's, he's used it. He's, it's been successful for him and now he's passing it down to Danny, sort of the younger generation. And I really like that approach. I, I like, I like that over, giving him some new modern thing, which I guess like it makes sense for the time and, and whatever. But, um, I, I liked how the movie did it. Um, because like it's described in the book, this old box that he has and, and then it's sort of like, well, here's this new one. And yeah, I, I like what the movie did with that. Um, that, you know, it's that, like I said, like the, the sort of passing it to a younger generation and for him to use it and, you know, get to know the box and memorize it and use it for his own psychic protection. Um, and then I, I really like the, the, the interaction with Halloran in the book or in the movie um, where he sort of comes to him as a sort of the, the spirit guide. And sits with him because he's already in the movie. He's already he's passed away, and 
So he comes to sit with a young Danny on a park bench and they chat and talk. And and I really like that over um, then in the book uh, where he Halloran and he's still alive and Wendy contacts him to get help with, for Danny. Um, because Danny's not talked since they left the Overlook. He's sort of dealing with like the trauma of all that. And so finally... Um, she she contacts him and gets him help, which I guess like it, it, it makes sense to know him and, but I, I like the interaction in the in the movie a lot better. I think it it sort of made, um, it sort of made a little more sense. Like it was just he sees him, he's interacting with him, and um, it's just a, I I find it a little bit more meaningful, um, in the movie and, um, and then I really liked. Um, with the, because in the, in the book, um, the, the Overlook is, um, destroyed, it, it was blown up by the overheating boiler, that's what happened in The Shining, the book, that the boiler got overheated and it ultimately caused the fire at the Overlook, completely destroying it. Whereas in the movie, it's still there, but it's kind of in a ruin and a shambles. Um, and <clears throat> and so I really like their, their approach to that, that it's still a thing. Um, and then the, kind of get that um, sort of closure at the end of the film. Um, with them, it, what happens in The Shining is what happens, like in The Shining, the book is what happens in the movie Doctor Sleep. So it's kind of nice to see that it's a, it's a good closure for the characters. I think it really, like, there's even a line in the in the uh, in the movie that he he talks to Abra and he says, you know, somebody's got to you know close the door behind us. And so that's sort of that that closure of the, the place goes up in flames and. Sort of that's the end of it. Um, so I really like that. Whereas in the book, it's just this sort of open space because the Overlook's already been destroyed. It's not a thing anymore. And um, they still go there, but it's like more of like sort of a like campground, open space area, and that's where everything goes down there. So I really liked what they did with the movie. I thought it was a good, a good closure to to that whole story so it, it worked i found it worked very well um and that was sort of that was it for me um for the things that the movie did better for than the than the book did i mean you know i like both approaches but i think for those ones the movie did that just that little bit better nice. <laughs> uh any particular favorite chapter you had while you read the book uh, chapter eight, and it was called Abra's Theory of Relativity. And this is when Danny finally meets Abra in person. Or, well, it's before they're, like, they're interacting through email and, and through a chalkboard. Um, and so 
I, I really like that sort of initial interaction between them because it's sort of like, <laughs> especially Danny, he's sort of feeling like, am I, am, you know, am I being a creeper or something? Like he's really concerned about <laughs> about not being some creepy guy or whatever. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to talk to this child or whatever. And he's just so like genuinely concerned. And I just, I, I love their, and then like they finally meet in person and, their interactions are just so good. And <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that chapter in particular because they just, they work off each other so well. And um, it's just, it's, it's so much fun and it's funny. So <laughs> I really enjoyed that chapter. And what about your favorite scene from the film? My favorite scene is uh, near the end of the film when they go to the Overlook and Danny walks through the doors of the Overlook and he's walking through to basically to wake up. He says, you know, we're going to wake up the building. So waking up all the ghosts and spirit and things in the building and things start to light up. And, and he's just sort of like he's he's wandering through just kind of remembering, you know, when he was there as a kid and and. You know, and he, he goes to, you know, the the um, the upper bedroom where they or the the apartment area where they stayed, and goes to the bedroom, and of course, you know, you see the busted door, and he looks through it, and he has a flashback of you know his mom, you know, freaking out over <laughs> Jack, you know, taking the axe to the door, and it's just kind of a it's a kind of a, like a nostalgia thing. Um, so I really like that. Like he's sort of just wandering through remembering and, and, you know, having these images of stuff that happened. And um, yeah, I really, I really like that, that scene. Nice. And uh, what is something from the book that you think would improve the film? Nothing. <laughs> um like I kind of mentioned before, um, if you, you know, like there's, there's a lot of the, in the book, there's a lot of the traveling of the true knot and, you know, it's, it's a huge chunk of them. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a big chunk of them. And then it's, you know, like Abra and Danny and it's a little bit of them, like a little bit of Abra and Danny interactions and everything more, more towards the end of the book where the middle is sort of a lot of the, the traveling and everything. And, and I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that sort of wasn't added in the film. Like you see them moving around, but you don't see their sort of travel and stuff. Um, but there, there isn't anything else from the book that, could be added to the film to make it any better because it it's it's already the the film is just a beautiful piece of work <laughs> it it is just everything is knit together so beautifully and um i don't i don't think they could you know they can add any more and like they do have like there is the the director's cut which has a little bit more stuff in it um some it kind of explains a little more things that sort of aren't explained in the in the uh, theatrical cut, but other than that, yeah, no, it's um, the the film is is perfect the way it is. <laughs> what version did you watch? Because I heard there was two different. Uh, doesn't doesn't does the the director's cut have the 
stuff taking place at the uh, Overlook with the, at the bar with Jack? That happens in the theatrical or... as well. Okay. Yeah. So I, seen, I haven't seen either one yet. But I never heard them saying they brought in Henry Thomas to play Jack mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. And he, he does a great job. He really does. Um, he especially, he nails it when he's there, kind of reenacting that famous scene. Like he's running down the hallway, sort of limping, whatever, with the axe. And it's just like, holy cow. Like just the, like the body positioning, everything. Like that's spot on to, to Jack Nicholson. So, yeah, I think he, and then bringing that, just the the character to life again. He he did a really good job of that. Um, I'm really impressed with with his performance. Absolutely. But nice. um, yeah. Oh, I had a, a couple of questions I wrote down just for you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're pretty easy. Uh, I had a hard time rewording re- them, but uh, they're pretty simple questions. Um, okay. I was hoping I have a, I was hoping I have a few more. I think of a few more while you were talking, but nothing's really sprang to mind. Um, did you envision you and McGregor or any other of the cast as the characters they play in the film while you were reading the book? Yes, actually, especially you uh, and McGregor as Danny. I don't know, like. Like I know, I saw the like the trailer and that like seeing him as a character, but I definitely pictured him, like when I read the book, and it was just kind of funny. Like it just yeah, I I definitely saw him as that character. It it suits him, um, and and definitely for everybody else, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, would you? It just, would, sorry, go ahead. Um. It just it works for everybody. I, I think they did very well in the in the casting of characters. So, um, would you say when you say did you see you and McGregor as Danny, yeah. was it influenced by his performance in the trailer in the film, or would you say the character was that well written? Um, that's how you that's who you envisioned to play uh, Danny when you saw the film. Um, well, I think you, you kind of see, like in the trailer, I think you, you kind of see, you know, Ewan McGregor's character kind of briefly. So you don't really get a sense of sort of his performance in the, in the movie, but, um, because like I read the book and then I saw the movie and I definitely, I was, I kind of went in a little bit open-minded of, okay, like who can I see as these characters and the Definitely for for the role of Danny, um, I definitely saw Ewan McGregor. I just I felt that he would be the definitely the one to really bring that character to life. Just how um, you know how the character is like his his sort of his personality, his mannerisms, his you know how he he you know has like the um, like he, he struggles with, you know, alcohol abuse and all that kind of stuff. And I just felt like, you know, Ewan McGregor could bring that character to life really well. I don't know, I just felt like he would definitely be the one to do that. And I think he, you know, seeing the film, I think he did a brilliant job. Absolutely. 
Um, I, I think he really brought that character to life very well. So. And the other question I had was, uh, does the book and film, do they benefit from being released this far apart from The Shining, or do you think it would have been better if they were created closer to the time of when The Shining came out? No, I think it benefits um, from the distance. Because I think, I don't think it would have been the same film if it was released closer to, like, say, like, The Shining comes out and then maybe a couple, like, two years later, say, uh, you know, another movie comes out, like, kind of, you know, the sequel. I don't think, um, I don't think it would have worked as well. Um, I think it, it benefited you know, the book coming out in 2013 and then, um, and then the movie coming out in 2019, I think it worked very well, especially for just like the technology of the time now, like for making movies and stuff. And, um, I think it just works, it works a lot better. And I think it, yeah, it it probably wouldn't have been, I mean, it might've been okay depending on who was making the movie and who wrote screenplay for it and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I don't think it would be the the great movie that it is now. So, so Stanley Kubrick's The Shining came out in 1980. Mm. So let's say, so let's say, um, Doctor Sleep comes out in 1990. Who are you casting to play Danny then? Hmm, well, that's a tough question. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know who I'd cast. Um. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure who I would. Maybe you could throw John Ritter a lifeline and have him play Danny Torrance. That way, he'd have to be in the second half of that It movie, the It miniseries. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or you could see if uh before Steven Weber from Wings before he he played uh ended up playing Jack in the mini series of The Shining that Stephen King had a hand in. Maybe he could have played Danny too. Yeah. I'm not I'm actually not familiar with that actor, so I don't know. But well, he was on uh yeah, I know him mostly from Wings, but he also appeared in Eye Zombie for a while. He's done a lot of stuff, but yeah, he took over the role of Jack in the I want to say it was ABC miniseries that they did in like '96. But I know they I know they paid more tribute to like closer to the the book in that one with the hedge animals and the the boiler room, the boilers exploding and stuff. So. Yeah, they were they were a lot more loyal to the to the book than Kubrick was. <laughs> well, I think I I've heard on Dark Tower Radio that um Stephen King is infamous for not liking Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining, which I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, I do like The Shining. I think it's a it's a decent movie. Um, but the fact that, cause like I've recently, like I read the book cause I was curious about reading the book and he, he, like the movie has maybe 
one or two pages from the book, and then the rest is just Kubrick going on his own doing whatever the fuck he's doing with <laughs> with the Stephen King characters, you know. So <laughs> yeah, so I can I can definitely you know not blame Stephen King for not liking the Shining movie. <laughs> well, I, I think I think it was Dark Tower Radio. I heard it on that they said it might have been Jeremy and Guy discussing saying that if Stephen King wanted to get the rights to do his own version of The Shining, he was no longer allowed to say that he disliked Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. That was part of the deal. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh. <laughs> could could he say it's 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 all right, but. But but not all right. Like don't don't quote there... me on that. But I'm almost I'm, I'm almost sort of heard it on Dark Tower Radio. They're talking about it on Dark Tower Radio. But don't quote me on that. So, guy and Jeremy, if you're listening, feel free to correct me if I misquoted one of you guys. But um, yeah. But so you probably if you did do Doctor Sleep of the Nineties, you probably still could have gotten Jack Nicholson back to reprise his role of Jack Torrance. Probably, yeah. No, he's. Officially retired from he's been retired from acting for a while now. So yes, yeah. Although it's, I think, um, like in the book, he doesn't really have much of a, um, sort of a presence in the book, other than more in the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you know you were gonna go that that route, then yeah, you probably get him back. Like if you were basically well, making what they made now, then, then you know maybe. But. Well, if they if they want to sell this book and film as a as a sequel, or quasi sequel or a continuation of The Shining, then you got to have. I guess you need to have Jack in there a little bit to to help sell that. I guess. Yeah. I mean, Stephen, the name Stephen King alone is going to guarantee ticket and book sales alone. But mm-hmm. if, if you're gonna if you're gonna go off a of foundation, this is based or continuation of the Shining storyline. Then I guess you got to throw something in there for the for the nostalgia of it all. I guess. Yeah, although, like in the movie, um, Danny has he goes into the that that. Uh, sort of the ballroom area and he goes to the bar just like Jack did, right? And he's interacting with the bartender, but the 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 bartender is Jack and he's having an interaction with him and it's sort of a like he's incur like he's encouraging him, oh take your medicine because blah 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 like sort of you know playing with his his alcoholism and, and all that stuff. And so I, I think it's it is part sort of nostalgia but you get a lot of that when he goes into the overlook itself like you kind of remember the the film and and all that stuff but um i think it it also works for the story because he's he's still having that like danny's still having that sort of internal battle with himself and it's sort of like it's it's like in the back of his mind that's just come up to the front right and and you know it's something that he's probably you know battled with for you know, many, many years. So it's sort of that coming to life for him. And, um, I, I think it really works well, um, for that. So, 
Well, this is childhood that bad. He only had really, if you look at it, Grant scheme, he only had really had one bad winter. <laughs> well, there was like in the in Doctor Sleep, there was he like describing you know his life even before going to the the Overlook, and it was it was very dark for him. Like Jack was dealing with his his alcoholism, and um, it was he was quite he was kind of abusive, and so. Yeah, he hasn't had the best of the best of lives, and then that kind of gets worse when they go to the Overlook. So, it's yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of it's been been darker for kind of for longer than you know, kind of thing. So, well, it seems like you listen from Jack's perspective. He only admits to really only dislocating Danny's shoulder that one time was like an isolated incident because mm. he was drunk and Danny messed up his papers, but it just seems like that, uh, Wendy never let him live it down is what it was. Yeah. Well, I think she was, you know, she, you know, she was kind of, a, you know, I think she was kind of scared and just, you know, not sure really, you know, what to do, but she kept reminding him of it. And Yeah. Just, um, you know, never let him forget that. But, yeah. There's a joke there in that, but I'm going to let it go. Oh, boy. (laughs) 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 So, uh, would you be willing to recommend this book and the film to anybody who hasn't seen or read it? Yes, I would. I would recommend both. Um, definitely, like I mean, you can you can watch the movie without reading the book. But if you really want to get to know the characters and sort of the, their world um, in a little bit more detail or in depth, um, definitely, yeah, read read the book. It is an excellent read. It is a little bit of a of a slow burn at the beginning, um, but once you you know. Um, I mean, it, it never feels like you're dragging on. It's just you're right engaged with the story, and and then it really gets going. Kind of, you hit that halfway mark of the book, and it really gets going with stuff. So, um, it's a great read. Uh, definitely recommend it, and then definitely see the movie. It is just so beautifully done. Like just how the like the shining the movie is knit into. Dr. Sleep and it's just so beautifully done especially sort of like near the near the end of the film it's it's almost like um you know Star Wars Rogue One and how it knits so beautifully into A New Hope like that that's how I feel about about this film it's just so beautifully connected together that yeah and the, the performances of everybody is just um amazing and so good. So um, definitely, thousand percent recommend. <laughs> nice. Well, any closing thoughts on Doctor Sweet? I love it. I think it's amazing. The book and the movie, which is pretty high praise coming from me because when I read a book and then see a movie, I've got high standards. <laughs> <laughs> you're one of those people 
I am. I'm. I'm one of those, and I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was worried that this this episode was going to turn me into one of those guys. Like, well, in the book, let me put on my monocle. Well, in the book, they did it like this. <laughs> Actually, in the book. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if if there was somebody like that when they saw Stanley Kubrick's The Shining for the first time. They saw the they ran to see the scene of the blowjob bear. Well, actually, in the book, it goes into depth about how the owner of the hotel was sneaking around and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I mean, I would, I, like, honestly, if, you know, read the book and then, you you know, see the movie and it would just be, I I probably would have been disappointed, like, just in the sense of, okay, you've got the characters from the book, uh, you've got maybe a couple pages from the book, but that's it. Like you're you're not really, you know, respecting the book or honoring the book in really any way other than through the few characters. So yeah, I would I would probably have been a bit disappointed, but I wouldn't have been like, oh well, this happened in the book. Like <laughs> I would have been fine with it, but just. <laughs> Probably disappointed that they didn't take more from the book because there's so much in the book that they could have done and been just ran with it. But oh well. <laughs> but I wouldn't have been snort- snotty about it. Like, mm, well, this ha- why didn't this happen? Like, mm. <laughs> why didn't this happen? Well, actually, he goes by Dan Torrance, not Danny. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, Doctor Sleep, eleven out of ten stars for you. Absolutely. Nice. So I think we've talked a lot about Doctor Sleep, and we all know um, we all know my viewpoints on it. Um, so let's move on to your to your book and movie. Remind us what book and movie that you read and watched. Well, I picked the 1983 Stephen King slash John Carpenter classic, Christine. And the reason why I use the slash is because the book and the movie are only released nine months apart. Mm-hmm. Um, the book, Christine, by Stephen King, was released April 29th, 1983. And the film came out nine months later. Well, not even nine months later, December 9th, 1983. Um, 
share with Melissa a little fun fact before we hit record that uh, they actually had to, they actually started production of the film before the book was even finished. So that was quite interesting. But um, well, at least like a certain number out of certain people on Instagram found that, or on IMDb found it interesting. uh the uh i'd say the plot synopsis for christine is pretty simple uh in the in most part they are kind of simple it's a teenage teenager arnie cunningham buys an old 1958 plymouth fury named christine from an old man and um over time you notice a change in arnie's demeanor um strange things start happening around arnie uh, around his friend his best friend dennis uh, his girlfriend lee his parents so on and so forth uh arnie is a nerd that is bullied in school um i really should have written down a synopsis for this better <laughs> well the main thing that the main plot of the, of both the film and the book is that it centers around a, a nerdy guy named Arnie Cunningham who buys a, a used 1958 Plymouth Fury. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you notice changes in the car is having an effect on Arnie. It's affecting him, his personality, and the, it's affecting his, uh, well, even to affecting his looks, his physical looks, even in the book. And um, it has an effect on his best friend, Dennis or his relationship with Dennis, his relationship with his girlfriend, Lee, his relationship with his parents. And then, uh, in both the film, and the book, when the, uh, these school bullies, uh, destroy Christine, um, these bullies end up, uh, getting killed by the car. And, um, so you have this strain of dead bodies. Uh, you get this strain of murders happening, centered around the car. All kinds of shit happens up until the, the point where Dennis and Lee say we need to get rid of this fucking car. Mm-hmm. So, really, where the book there is, I guess I can I can describe in my description here is that uh, in my synopsis here is that, for example, in the book, um, big differences is like the the book takes place in uh, Philadelphia, um. He buys the car. He buys the car, Christine, off off of Roland LeBay. Uh, what is it? Uh, like I said, uh, Arnie's personality starts to change. He starts. He's very. Uh, his mother is described in the book as being very controlling. She really loves to have her way, even as like you find out later in the book. Arnie and his his. Uh, for lack of a better term, his father is very cuckolded by his mother. Mm. Doesn't really think or speak for himself for most of the time. I think even Arnie comes out and says pussy whipped. His dad's pussy whipped later on in the book. Pardon my French. Um, <laughs> but all of a sudden you start seeing Arnie fight with his parents all the time. He usually just gives in whatever his mother says. But now he's Instantly, as soon as he grabs, gets Christine, he's fighting with his parents about this car. Like, oh, you can't do it. Like, oh, I went and bought it. I'm tough shit. I, I went and bought this car. This is my car now. You always say, I can't have this. Um, which 
you get a taste of that in the book in the, of in the in the film too. Um, but this, I also said Arnie's uh, Arnie. Uh, Dennis describes Arnie as being very pimply faced, very zit faced. But over the course of this time, that the book takes place, Arnie's complexion starts clearing up. He starts dressing differently. Um, see, uh, so other key differences from the book is uh, a lot of the deaths happen differently too in the book. A lot much more gorier deaths, which are pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then quasi similar. Uh, Arnie's fate is different in the book than it is in the film. Um, Arnie. Spoilers, Arnie does not make it out of either the book or the movie alive. Um, but there's the, the difference in how they handle that is there, too. Um, differences in the film. They have Arnie buy the car from George LeBay, who is Roland's brother. Um, but they give George all of Roland's personalities or personality traits, like wearing the back brace, using the word shitters. Uh, he does give like a backstory that we do find that Dennis finds out in the book from George LeBay about how a piece of shit that Roland LeBay was growing up and how his wife and daughter both died in the car and stuff like that. Uh, John Carpenter's film takes place in California instead of uh, Pennsylvania, which is a, it's not enough to make a difference, but um Oh, I'm sure I'll cover that later when we get to answer some of the questions about the film. Um, like I said, like uh, it does have some different kills in it. The kills are done differently, um, and the whole, the whole. I guess the huge difference between the book and the film is the whole mystery behind the car, Christine. Uh, John Carpenter spits up at the beginning of the film that Christine was just born evil. Whereas from the book, you get the fact that Arnie and the car are possessed by the spirit of Roland LeBay. Because Roland LeBay, is, in, the, in the film, Roland LeBay is dead when Arnie buys the car. But in the book, Arnie buys the car from Roland and he dies a few weeks later, actually. So Roland is still very much alive when he when Arnie purchases the car in the, in the book. But essentially, it's nerd buys a car. Nerd is no longer nerd anymore over the course of time. He, his personality changes. He becomes very argumentative, rude. He very much takes on the spirit of Roland LeBay throughout the course of the, of the, of the story. And, and it, enough comes enough. And after a while, people, the people that care about, Arnie most, especially like his best friend Dennis and his girlfriend that turns ex-girlfriend Lee are like, okay, we gotta we gotta save Arnie, we gotta get rid of this car. And I realize, listeners, I just did a piss poor job of giving a plot synopsis of both the film and the book. I am all over the place, but what'd you expect? I'm not a reader. <laughs> <laughs> Ask right. Melissa. Ask Melissa, my brain is fried from preparing for this episode. <laughs> No, I think you did a good job. I think you got the sense of what the movie or the like the book and the movie is. And um, obviously, if you know if any of those listening, you've probably seen the movie at some point, so you get a sense of what the movie's about. So, no, I think you did a good job. 
<laughs> I thought I was all over the place with my synopsis. So <laughs> I think you're. I have oh, behind the curtain, peek behind the curtain for our listeners. I have never, I don't think I've ever complained more about preparing for an episode than I did for this one. And it was my, <laughs> and it was my idea too. <laughs> when it, it took me about two weeks to get to the, it took me about two, three weeks to get through the first 200 pages or no, even the first hundred pages of a 500 page book. I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> yeah. And it took me. Uh, actually, the first time reading the book, I first I got the book, it took me one day to read the book. And then this time around, it took me um, probably maybe two and a half days because I got through kind of the bulk of the book on in one day and then kind of didn't read much sort of the second day and then next time I read the book again, I got through it. And so probably yeah, two and a half days I got through the book. So, which for me, felt like I was quite slow, <laughs> but it's such a, it's, it's a pretty quick read, uh, with sort of how the book is laid out. So you, you're never really feeling like you're sort of dragging through or whatever. So, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I've talked enough about my book. Um, so on to the questions for you now. You're you're in the hot seat for questions. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm, I'm better at bullshitting than I am summarizing, so <laughs> well the questions I came up with are pretty easy and then obviously oh. we're gonna... What? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> All right. So yeah, my, mine are pretty easy, nothing too brain-busting, but um, I'll start with the really basic questions, uh, basically the same ones that, that you asked me. Um, so when was the first time for you reading the book? Was this your, your first time reading it? Yes. Um, people, those who know me well, I'm not much of an actual novel reader. Uh, my reading comes down to... Um, comic books and autobiographies when it comes to actual books. But uh, I checked this book out back in October and, but it is actually truth be told the second Stephen King book I've ever read. Um, I tried to read it in the shining when I was a kid, but I never got very far into him. I was that much of a reader as a kid. Um, But yeah, um, I checked this out last month from my local library and I wanted to try some of it after reading one of his crime books. I wanted to give one of his horror books a try. And since I do not have the time in my life to read an 1100 page book of it or um, the stand, I go, I like Christine. I'll give that a shot. It's a, it's a movie I know very well. So I think I'd know the story fairly well too. So mm-hmm. I went with Christine. So yeah, last, last month up until two days ago of the time I was recording was the first time I've read Christine. <laughs> Nice. Um, first time seeing the film. When when did you see it for the first time? Oh, fuck. I want to say... I probably saw parts of it when I was like a teenager in high school. 
But I want to say at least 10, 15 years ago is probably the first time I saw it all the way through, beginning to end. So I'd say when I was in my 20s, early 20s, that's probably the first time I saw it all the way through. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, things that you thought uh, the book did better. I would say the th- one, at least one thing for sure that sticks out in my mind that the book does better is Arnie's descent into Arnie's descent into madness and his and the change that he goes through. Um, it starts that day when he first buys Christine from Roland the Bay, and he's instantly that night he's fighting with his parents. He's standing up to his parents for the first time ever. And then look at oh, we we just joked about during your book about how Stephen King loves to go in depth about it. I guess that's one positive thing come out of it. It's more in depth about how Arnie um is changing. He's standing up for he's standing up to himself. He's he goes essentially from making he doing everything his mother says, abiding by her will to essentially making her cry. For no reason, or his father is afraid to talk to him because he halfway through the book he just becomes so standoffish. And even the point where he asks Lee out, he has become more confident because of Christine to ask Lee out. Um, but then there's uh, well, Dennis is in the hospital for a good chunk of the book. That his best friend Dennis is a football player and he had, suffers a career ending injury during the book and he spends like two months in the hospital. And even when during Arnie's visits, he notices changes in Arnie. Um, he knows Arnie's starting to act more like Roland the Bay. Cause after meeting Roland the Bay and talking to Roland's brother, George about Roland after he passed away at, at uh, Roland's funeral, he talks to his brother, George about how what kind of a guy Roland was. And he's starting to notice all these changes in Arnie. Um, drinking more, uh, not necessarily staying out late, but, uh, just his attitude in general towards people. Like even when he's taking the car to, they're taking the car to Darnell's garage when he first buys it because parents like, Hey, can't keep it here. Uh, Christine gets a flat tire in front of this, this house and Arnie is just not taking any shit from anybody. Like the people that. Oh, you you can't keep this car in front of you here, blah, blah, blah. Looks bad. That's a hunk of junk. Wait till my husband gets home, blah, blah, blah. So he sends Dennis to go get a a new tire for Christine. And Dennis comes up with a new tire, and Arnie's in the husband's husband's face by the time Dennis comes back. So complete 180 from Arnie. So you do notice an instant change from Arnie. But to get back to the question is that the book does a better job of just slowly showing – Dennis, or I mean Arnie, going into this, going into this uh, state of change, and like I said in my description, he is flat out possessed by Roland the Bay mm. in this in the in the in the actual book, and um, to the point where they look at and they even say Arnie's complexion changes. He looks like a skull, like he looks like he does. Arnie does not look well throughout this movie. Towards the end of the book, Arnie does not look well, mm-hmm. and there's times people look. Uh, Dennis looks at him, 
and sees Roland LeBay in him. Mm. Like the spirit of LeBay coming out of Arnie. Like you can, it's, it's, it's like, and there's a right towards in the book. It's like a light switch where Arnie steps out of it. He becomes Arnie again, but then Roland just takes right back over again. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you, you start off with this sweet, mild mannered, nerdy teenager. And by the end, he's telling people to fuck off. Um, uh, it's in the book that he starts doing errands for Darnell and, Arnie ends up getting arrested in the book for smuggling stuff for Darnell. Hmm. Uh, he gets he gets popped by taking uh, unstamped cigarettes across the border from Pennsylvania to New York. So Arnie's not talking to the cops not, or nothing. He's always fighting with his parents. So you do it's essentially a good kid gone bad. Mm-hmm. What it is, and the film does. I mean, sorry, the book does a much better job at explaining Arnie Arnie's descent in the madness because with the film it's only a just under two hour long film so they're doing a lot of uh, jumps in time yeah. so they do show Arnie like his attitude changing and the way he dresses and the way he acts they show him fighting with his parents I think one thing one good thing that the film showed about Arnie changing is that there's one point where he He's making his he makes his mother cry at the dinner table. I think it's after after the bullies destroy his car. Yeah. He's sitting at the table and he gets up and makes his mom cry. Then his dad comes after him and he grabs his tells his dad, get your fucking hands off me. And he ends up grabbing his dad by the neck and letting him go and just starts laughing and walking away. So and I and I'd, I'd say another good thing that the book does better is the kills. The kills are much more I wouldn't say horrific, but they're some of them are just downright dirty, man. Like Christine makes people like Darnell and Buddy Repperton and his gang suffer for what they did to her or what they're doing to Arnie. Like Christine does not hold back. Um for example, if you've seen the film, Christine, uh the the head bully Buddy gets just run down by Christine while she's on fire. Mm-hmm. But um, in the book, it's much more brutal. Like he, uh, they also well, takes place in the Philadelphia in the wintertime. So their buddy and a couple of guys are boozing and cruising, which kids, if you're listening, do not drink and drive. But, um, they go to this closed state park and Christine is keeping on them, just flying through the snow, keeping on them. And Christine is ramming the shit out of buddy's car, but, Buddy loses his ear for fuck's sake in the book in this in, in this wreckage. Um, but a lot of it is Christine is like running people down, just running people down, and it is insane. Uh, even Darnell, who runs the the garage in the film, he's only killed when uh, he gets inside Christine when she comes back from killing Buddy and she crushes him with the seat. But in the book. Christine goes to his house and rams a rams in the actual house through the picture window. Darnell's trying to escape up his stairs and he Christine just start gets into the house and starts ramming the steps until Darnell and Darnell ends up falling down, like having a heart problem because he has uh what is it? Essentially he has like a, a form of like COPD Darnell has from smoking in the in the book. But he has heart related issues and ends up uh, 
falling down what's left of the stairs to Christine rains it down. Then Christine just runs him, runs him down there too. (laughs) So I'd say the books are, like I said, the book does the kills a lot more gruesome. I would say it's word they're gnarly. Like the, in the, in the book, they're just flat out gnarly, man. (laughs) Christine, Christine don't fuck around old. Well, it's Christine and Roland LeBay. The spirit of Roland LeBay is driving Christine in the book. Okay. Like the spirit of Christine is seen numerous times. Yeah. <laughs> so she's definitely, uh, definitely a lot more savage than. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, she's still pretty savage in the film, but. Yeah, but I mean, the it's, book it's of, clearly the toned book down. Is, yeah, it's definitely toned down. Plus, I guess if to limit what you can do because Carpenter is known for doing practical effects. So mm-hmm. probably, but I, I, I don't have any problems with the way the kills are in the film though, but yeah. So, um, having talked about, you know, things that the book did better. Um, what are some things that you thought the film did better? Um, couple things it, it does a good job john carpenter did a good job and I, I didn't write down the name of the screenwriter but they did a good job of cutting out all the non-needed exposition like yeah the time jumps kind of suck but you are cutting out some of the stuff in the book that some of the padding in the book did not have to be there mm-hmm. um dennis narrates most of the book and there's parts where he talks about Oh, him and he has a, a kid sister, and he's like, "Well, I have." It feels weird hugging her since she got boobs in, or <laughs> how he feels about all like how he feels about girls and stuff. Like, so it cuts out having these time jumps cuts out a lot of unnecessary stuff that you just didn't need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another good thing that the film does is Arnie's death because. In the book, Arnie dies while his him, he and his mother are going up to Penn State for a campus visit. So he's not there for the final showdown. But while, as opposed to the movie where Arnie dies in that final showdown between Christine and Dennis and Lee, where they show Dennis or Arnie in the car, um, and then he when he goes ramming the Dar- Darnell's office. Arnie goes flying out of the windshield and he gets stabbed with a piece of glass and ends up dying there in front of Christine. But as the book, Arnie's not even at Darnell's when he dies. And the theory Dennis has in the book is that Roland the Bay couldn't have control over Arnie and Christine at the same time. So he saw he was fighting a losing battle with Dennis and Lee with Christine. So he just jumped over to where Arnie was. And uh, Dennis's theory is that Arnie fought Roland LeBay to a draw. And right before that final showdown, uh, Dennis is trying to instigate Roland LeBay and Arnie is, Arnie is trying to come out, trying to fight back against Roland LeBay. And Arnie's like, Oh, Dennis, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then Roland just really comes right back at him. So I think, I think the film does Arnie justice gives Arnie a little more justice to how he goes out in the film. Um, 
Plus, it sets up the whole fact that Carpenter tried to set up in the film that is Arnie driving the car for all these murders? Is Arnie behind the wheel or not? Mm-hmm. And the only time you really see him behind the wheel when something like this is going down is that final confrontation yeah. between, uh, well, essentially in the book, Dennis and Lee have a, a porta potty truck, like a septic tank truck mm-hmm. named Petunia, and they're ramming the shit out of. Essentially, all they're doing is just ramming the shit out of Christine. Like it's such like a huge demolition derby inside Darnell's garage. <laughs> in the book, it's a, and then in the film, it's a bulldozer. Mm-hmm. So, so the only time you really see Arnie behind the wheel of the car when something like this is going on is during this final confrontation between Christine and the bulldozer. Yeah. But they, but they leave it ambiguous whether or not Arnie is driving the car when Buddy and his gang get taken down. Mm-hmm. Which, which I really like about that about the film. It just, it's that sense of of mystery about it. Like you, you don't really know. Like, is it, you know, is it going by itself? Is he dry? Like you, you really don't know. And I, I really enjoy that about the film. And and you do get that feeling from the book too that you get to feel well. Is Arnie driving the? Is Arnie driving Christine when this happens? But Arnie has airtight alibis every time. Remember the gang gets mowed down so arnie is does have a alibi for so it becomes more and you find out in the book that yeah arnie's not behind the wheel because he has all these alibis that like oh when one bully got run down he was at home sleeping his mother vowed his mother testified that he was at home sleeping he was out of town at a chess tournament when another couple of bullies got ran down mm-hmm. he was uh oh he's out of town for christmas when darnell got killed so it so he has alibis for it, but you could still kind of when it, early on. You do is, is Arnie doing this, yeah, or is he not? But I think John does a but 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 uh, doing with what he had, he does a good job of asking that question. Well, is Arnie doing this, or is it just, or is the car genuinely evil? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely yeah. It's an interesting thought. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you don't really you don't know. Um, what was your favorite chapter of the book? My favorite chapter was chapter thirty-seven, which is just a little over halfway. Um, it's uh, when Darnell, who runs the garage, is starting to figure out something is going on here. Um, but uh, he's in the garage one night because he can't sleep because of his health problems. Um, Arnie's out of town at a, he's in Philadelphia for a chess tournament three hours away. And all of a sudden Christine comes in the garage and Christine just got back from mowing down buddy and two of the other bullies that destroyed her. Um, so this is when, and, uh, at this point, uh, Moochie Welch was one of the other bullies who helped, uh, deface Christine. He had already been killed at this point in the book. And um, so the cops, uh, uh, Detective uh, Junkins, has already came around by this point. Uh, sniff around the garage, sniff around Arnie, like trying to find out the connection to it and all this stuff. So Darnell sitting there in his garage. All of a sudden, Christine comes back. And Darnell looks inside the car and notices the car is driving itself. So you are starting to get that feel of 
something is going on here at this car that's super like i guess supernatural would be a good word to describe it um so i believe it's the chapter before that is when buddy and his two buddy two of his buddies get killed and buddy sees the spirit of george LeBay like reaching out for him or saying so i think he says like this is the end for you shitter and uh and then so i think the chapter before it we are aware that okay yeah LeBay is driving this car. The spirit of LeBay is driving this car. But now it's becoming aware to people, other people around them are closely affected to, to Arnie. Like, okay, something is wrong with this car. And this is so somebody outside of somebody who's not Arnie is confirming that this car is driving itself. And he even calls Arnie to make sure that Arnie is in Philadelphia. And yeah, he calls Arnie on the phone. Like, hey, I'm in Philadelphia at this chess tournament. And and drives Christine all by herself back to her stall. <laughs> so essentially, it's, it's Darnell's putting the pieces together that something's going on with this car. Mm-hmm. And he had a and he had a sinking suspicion about the car when Arnie first brought it in. He says, oh, "I know a guy who had a car like that once." So you find out that Roland LeBay used to bring Christine into Darnell's shop too, and he and Roland LeBay even uh, ran stuff, smuggled stuff. Uh, for Darnell, like Arnie did too. Mm. So, what was you know your favorite chapter? What was your favorite? What's your favorite scene from the movie? Um, while Buddy's kill in the book was a lot more graphic, I do love the image of Christine being on fire in the movie. Mm-hmm. And chasing him down, she takes out two of the bullies in the garage. Uh, she takes out the guy from Ghostbusters uh, who gets <laughs> shocked by Vank, who gets shocked by Venkman at the beginning, and then yeah, takes out <laughs> and takes out uh, what's his name from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, the redheaded guy from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, the nerdy guy, the oh, yeah, nerdy yeah. lifeguard dude. Yeah, takes both of them out by driving right into his dad's garage and. While in flames, chasing Buddy down the street. <laughs> that's that's a pretty cool image to see. And then um, another favorite scene of mine, if I can pick two, is takes place on New Year's Eve in both in both kind of the book and the film. Um, Dennis and uh, Arnie are in the car. There's well in the book, um, New Year's Eve. Arnie is driving Dennis home because Dennis can't drive because he just got out of the hospital from his injuries and stuff. Arnie's driving him home after having a lot of beer and he's drinking a couple road beers. But in the book uh, or in the film, Arnie picks him up and just go cruising around and Arnie's drinking while he's driving. And he's just, you essentially see the full dissension of Arnie at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he's got that ghoulish look on his face. He's just zoned out. He's all about Christine, and he starts repeating some of the lines that Roland Le- or George LeBay in the movie. George LeBay said, "Nothing better than being behind the wheel of your own car, except maybe pussy." <laughs> and then, then you get uh, one of my favorite lines in the film has to be um, Arnie saying, "I'm talking about Christine, man." No shitters ever come between me and Christine. <laughs> so essentially that scene in the film is where you see Arnie is gone. Yeah. He he's no longer that 
pimply-faced nerd. He's full-on, you know, the polar opposite of himself. Yeah. And say the and the film does not give Arnie any any retribution at all. Like the book tries to give Arnie a little bit of retribution, like the like he's trying to get back to being the good kid he was. But yeah, he is. It's all all downhill. It's all downhill for Arnie as soon as he uh, as soon as he gets this car in the film. And mm-hmm. I was talking to fr- I was talking to a friend of the show, Guy Milks, uh, off the air. Once once I finished the book the other day, I texted Guy. And tell him about how I feel about the book and the movie, and we both agree that. And guy said that uh, Keith Gordon does not get the credit he deserves for this film because he's fucking amazing in it, and I I wholeheartedly agree. Keith Gordon does not get the love and respect he deserves for this movie. He absolutely nails playing Arnie. Hmm. Is there anything from the book that you would have that wasn't in the film that you would have liked to have seen in it? Um, yeah, this is another thing I've seen. I talked about with Guy, and he agrees. Um, if I would like, well, I guess it's more if this movie was remade. Something that would improve the film is if they go on full bore, um, grasping on to the fact that Roland the Bay is possessing Arnie in this car. There has been a plethora now since nineteen eighty three and the film came out, there has been a ton of we've had a a plethora of paranormal franchises now since then, like paranormal activity, your insidiouses, your your conjurings, your Annabelles, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think a film now, or even back in nineteen eighty three, would be better if they go full bore with Arnie is possessed by the spirit of Roland the Bay. Mm. LeBay is controlling Arnie. LeBay is controlling Christine. That's not saying I don't like Christine just being generally evil, mm-hmm. but I really think the film would benefit more. It, it it would explain a lot more if they fully grasp on the concept that Roland LeBay is possessing Arnie. Mm-hmm. And right after uh, that New Year, I mentioned uh, New Year's Eve in the book, when he's giving Dennis a ride home, once he drops Dennis off, he looks over the passenger seat, rolling the base, sitting right next to him, says, let's go motivating, which, which meant cruising around. Um, Buddy sees LeBay before he dies. Um, then after a while, like Lee and Dennis, they see, they see LeBay. Like they see the spirit of LeBay. And, mm-hmm. I really think that's one thing that could be the film could benefit from is again, if they, if they would have had the kills match book, that'd be cool too. But, but I think the main thing is you need to grasp the concept that Roland LeBay, the spirit of Roland LeBay is possessing Arnie and the car. Mm-hmm. That would be the one big thing I'd say. Yeah. And I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Cause it's a lot of, like it's it's a lot of focused on the car itself. Like it's, it's the car that's doing everything. It's you're not really thinking of of the other person. So I I could see that, and I think it would um, it would certainly yeah benefit from it. Um. So a couple of my own questions. <laughs> uh, Bring them on. <laughs> um, were there. And this is sort of, I don't know, maybe maybe a little bit like the previous question, but but 
it's a tiny bit different. Um, changes that were like stuff in the book that happened, and you see the you see the movie. Like any changes made in the movie um, that you think worked better in the movie than in the book, like. Something you read, something you know, whatever chapter it was, whatever something from the book, and then you see it in the movie and it's changed. Do you think? Oh, uh, I kind of briefly touched on it. Arnie's death was changed in the film, mm-hmm. and that worked a little bit better. Um, I don't know anything else on top of that. Like I know Jeremy Lloyd has said on on Tim's podcast like changing uh Arnie buying the car from Roland LeBay to George LeBay and I can and I sat there and I, I re-listened to that episode before we recorded because I don't want to make sure I stole anything from them or make sure I gave them proper credit for what they said um but I kind of agree with what Jeremy said I, I kind of like that too because I guess then it it takes away Dennis meeting up with George LeBay later on in the book and finding out all this stuff for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis does go back to George later on in the film, or not, not not super long after in the film, but um, does get that little bit of um, history about Roland LeBay. Like, oh yeah, well, his wife died in the car. Well, his daughter choked to death in the car. His wife committed suicide in the car, which does match up with the book. But the only thing they, they did change to say that Roland committed himself. Uh, Roland committed suicide in the car too, which doesn't add up in the book because Arnie buys the car from Roland, and Roland is still very much alive. Mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah. So that's have to say Arnie's death was a good change for it, uh, and and uh, to take from Jeremy Lloyd, uh, yeah, changing. Um, Roland to George, I don't hate it, but it it cuts out some. It cuts out a lot of uh, what's the word I'm thinking of uh, exposition. It cuts out a lot of exposition. Mm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this is kind of a really easy yes or no question. Would you read the book again? Ah. Uh. <laughs> not right away because i wouldn't mind reading the book again like i did enjoy it once i got past the book is broken down into three parts uh first part of the book is dennis teenage car songs then it goes into arnie teenage love songs and then christine teenage death songs yeah but uh <laughs> If I wasn't on such a time crunch to read it, I would definitely read it again. If it, if it's not feeling like actual work to read it, I would read it again. Like I did enjoy it. Um, I might buy it so I can just read it at my own leisure. Like yeah. only five hundred pages, so it's not a super long Stephen King book. I know he's written longer. Oh, that's, yeah, that's I, same same size as Doctor Sleep. Yeah, well, it's not too bad. It's probably about average for him because I know. It in the stand are thicker than the Bible. I think Under the Dome is too. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> good, good, good paperweights. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would. 
I kind of said in a roundabout way, but yeah, I'd, I'd read Christine again. Uh. So, uh, last question for me. Um, casting of the characters. Do you think the actors brought them to life well enough? Well, I've mentioned talking to Guy about <laughs> Keith Gordon. Definitely, yes. Keith Gordon was the perfect Arnie. That's who I pictured the whole time when I was reading the book. I pictured Keith Gordon as Arnie the whole time I read it, just because his performance so well. And it, it go, it, it's described like Keith Gordon. Like, like I could, you read the description of Arnie. I'm like, yeah, I can definitely see Keith Gordon playing this role. But um, the guy, I can't think of the guy's name that played Dennis. Like, I did kind of picture him too. And the, uh, the guys that play George LeBay in the film, who's supposed to be a role in LeBay in the book, definitely who I picture too when I when I think of LeBay. That's who I thought of. Maybe a little bit longer hair than he had in the book or in the in the film. Um, I think the one casting choice I didn't think brought true life to the character in the book was um the actress who played lee her name is her name is escaping me right now um i can't think of it right now but when i read the book i imagined this actress um named terry farrell and and the reason why i thought of her well when I thought of her as Lee, especially the stuff with Arnie in the book, the reason why I, th- I thought of her for chemistry for Arnie was because her and Keith Gordon start together in Back to School in 1986. Okay. And the, the, the relationship they had in that, in that film, that, that's why I always pictured her as Lee in this book. Mm-hmm. But Plus, she's in Iowa. Um, so if... It's kind of kind of thinking of the the question that you had um, that you had asked me uh, about Doctor Sleep. Like if they were to make it, you know, in the '90s or whatever, like closer to, or sort of closer to um, kind of after the the Shining. Um, if they were to to make a Christine movie now, who who would you cast? At least as the like you know not everybody, but at least as like the main character. Who 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 would you see? As Arnie. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm not too up to date on all my teenage actors now. <laughs> but um, because you you probably think everybody. I'm sure everybody right now is screaming Tom Holland at me right now. Which I only know him from the Marvel films. So, but I I had a feeling you'd ask me this question. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking today, and I'm like, I'm trying to think of something random. I don't know the kid's name, but what about um, the kid from the first Jurassic World, the the younger brother from the first Jurassic World movie? Oh yeah. See, I think he's got to be a little bit older by now. So. Yeah. If he ain't quite 17, he probably had, the, if he's a little younger or older than that now, I bet he would have that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people are also screaming Finn Wolfhard at me now, too. Oh, 
<laughs> well, he's already tied. He's already tied. I don't see it. I wouldn't see really any of the kids from it playing Arnie now. Yeah. Uh, no. Maybe even the kids from Stranger Things. I don't see any of those kids playing Arnie either, just because they're so not. And it's not necessarily because they're so associated with those characters in my mind, but not. not I don't really. know. But I thought the most random. Maybe, maybe Dustin, because du- maybe we've seen Dustin. Dustin is my favorite character on Stranger Things, so seeing him all cute and lovable and nerdy in Stranger Things, and I wouldn't mind seeing him try to take that turn. I guess. Yeah, that would that would be actually interesting to see him in a more serious role. Like, I think he could probably do it. Um, at least being let's see how he, see how he handles the word shitters. <laughs> but I w- I'd probably say him or the younger brother from Jurassic World. Okay. Yeah, I could I could see. Um, I mean, like I've seen Jurassic World, but I just yeah, like I can I can see the the actor the character. Um, but I could I can see more uh, the actor who played Dustin doing that character. Just how good he is at playing this sort of, you know, pretty happy-go-lucky kind of guy, whatever. And to be in more of that serious role would be kind of cool for him. So I could I could see that. I would say, if anything, if they try to do Christine now, I don't see them using a 58 Plymouth Fury, though. Because at that point, the car would be... St- that's a, you're looking at a almost sixty year old car at mm-hmm. that point. Like and I'm and I'm sure like classic cars like that still run. Yeah. But I would if they're if they're trying to make it at least make it set in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one or in the twenty twenties, I don't see them using a sixty year old classic car. No. But it made sense for it made sense for nineteen seventy eight or for the movie to take place in nineteen seventy eight to have a car. From 1958. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, who would you? Okay, <laughs> you've got you got the casting, but who would you want to direct it? Huh. <laughs> I promise. Well, everybody's <laughs> everybody's at home like Tim Burton. Tim Burton, you guys love Tim Burton so much. <laughs> Not not wrong. I do love Tim Burton. But no, he couldn't do that movie. I don't think he could do Christine. <laughs> no. That uh, uh-uh. I don't know what kind of Stephen King project he could do, but, for, but definitely uh, Christine, not Christine. Let me rack my brain here of directors I like here real quick. Um Insert Jeopardy music here. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> we have, you know, so many. Um, Todd Phillips. Yes. Absolutely. Cool. Todd Phillips or after... 
Todd Phillips or maybe the Cohen brothers? Uh, I, I'm I'm voting Todd Phillips. He would he could make a badass movie. <laughs> I could see that. I could. That's that's the first thing that comes to my mind because no, I run through my favorite directors like Kevin Smith. No. No hell no. Rob Zombie. No. Rob mm. Zombie. No. Del Toro. No. Sam mm. Raimi. No. <laughs> maybe Tarant. Um. Maybe Tarantino. Maybe. Maybe. I mean. I would he- say Phillips over Tarantino. Yeah, I mean, like I could see both, but I think I can I can imagine more of what Todd Phillips could do. I th- I think he could he he could capture that story very well. I think he could too. And like, yeah, he's kind of grown up from doing all the comedies and stuff, so I really think he could pull it off. That's um, mm. really all I can rack my brain and think of I bet Zack Snyder does gritty dark and gritty pretty good too I wouldn't be opposed to like a Zack Snyder Christine either mm. I, I'm on team Todd Phillips I, I, <laughs> yeah I'd say Todd Phillips because like I, I was like think maybe Scorsese like no yeah no I wouldn't mind giving Carpenter another crack at it too, but he's also retired. But because yeah. um, his use of practical effects in the first film is so well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I, I have to. I'll probably just put my foot in the sand and say Todd Phillips. <laughs> I, I'd say that's a not that there's there was any right or wrong answer, but I, I definitely I'm. I think that's an awesome choice. Melissa, have you ever been on the internet? There's always a wrong answer on the internet. <laughs> Apparently. Not not in my world. Hey, oh, wait, wait. Fincher, Fincher could do a good one, too. Yes. I think, I think of Seven, and I think of uh, Fight Club, and I think David Fincher could do a good one, too. He could, yes. I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm on board with that too. <laughs> yeah, that could work. So, any any final thoughts about about the book and the and the movie? I'd say, what would I say? I'd say it's a good paranormal story. Um. But Steve, uh, John Carpenter does does pay tribute quite well to the source material. He doesn't take everything line for line, but he does he does hit a lot of the major points in the book. Mm-hmm. Arnie buying Christine, Arnie transforming from the meek nerd into what he is up until the very end. Yeah. Um, Dennis growing very weary of Arnie and Christine. Uh, the relationship between Arnie and Lee blooming and then rotting. Yeah. It's like a plot point. It's a plot point of uh, while they are different 
in the book, in the movie, uh, Lee choking in the car, like in her thinking that Christine was trying to kill her. Um, the relationship with Arnie has with Darnell, the, the deaths in the book or the deaths in the story, Arnie's relationships with people. Uh, Carpenter doesn't do everything verbatim by the book, but he does hit a lot of those points and does it his own way. And which, it works. Yeah. Which, which I think is, is most important. Um, you know, it's, it's probably not very easy to, you know, take a, take a book and, you know, transform it into a movie. Cause you know, there's so much in a book that, you know, you could, you could go along with, but like, you know, if you, if you want a reasonably reasonable length of a film, <laughs> you kind of have to just, okay, these are the really important parts that need to be in it. And there you go. But at least, you know, yeah, he, he's pretty, you know, pretty good with the source material. Absolutely. And, and I think he, you know, seems to have done a pretty good job of that. So, which is good. And, you know, I think as as long as you, you know, you hit the po- important plot points, you're you're good to go with you know bringing a book to life. Yeah, and it, a lot of the book falls on Dennis too, and in, they in Carpenter's a lot of good points of touching up on Dennis too. Uh, Dennis going back to LeBay and finding out the history of the car. Mm-hmm. They do a good point of like De- Dennis being a smart ass in both the book and the film too. So like when they go uh, for case in point, when they drop the car off at Darnell's and Darnell's town already knows smoking and Dennis goes, sir, those guys are over there smoking. We're going to tell them to put their, we're going to tell them to put them out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I say Dennis, Dennis getting hurt in the football, uh, Dennis ending his football career from his injuries, uh, his love and care for Arnie. You, so they, not just hitting the points on Kermit not only hit the points on the plot points on Arnie in the car, but also on Dennis and Lee too. Mm. Uh, they could probably involve the parents a little more in the movie, if anything, but um, I guess one final, another final thought too, if going back to, what we talked about if they remade it again, if they remade this film, I want them to see it. I want them to move the location back to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, because I want to see Christine tearing through the snow like it is. And so many, it's described in a lot of these chapters of her, just especially when she's tearing down buddy, just tearing down through the snow in this park in the middle of the night that I want to see that. I want to see Christine tearing through the snow, <laughs> gunning people down. Yeah. So that way, I, that way I can watch it at Christmas. <laughs> Instant Christmas classic right there. <laughs> well, it does take... The book takes place through... Starts in August and ends in January. So, that, so, so and they touch on... Yeah. So, they touch on Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving. Yeah. Arnie goes to visit Dennis in the hospital on Thanksgiving, which is another plot point they touch in the book, in the movie, in the film. Uh, Arnie going to visit Dennis in the hospital on Thanksgiving, bring him turkey sandwiches and beer and candles. Uh, they spend uh, Arnie and Dennis spend New Year's Eve together. Uh, Dennis gets released out of the hospital on Christmas, and Arnie is in uh, 
Arnie's in out of town on Christmas, but Darnell gets killed on Christmas. So, so I could add to my cheerathon if they re- remade it and put it in uh, Pennsylvania, so I could see Christine tearing through the snow. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> But yeah, I give uh, the both the book. Uh, well, the book drags for a bit. The one it starts to grab you, it does grab you. Mm. Um, but that's not gonna that's not gonna deter me away. I, I'm not the first person you come to when it comes to book recommendations. Um, <laughs> it's like I'm not much of a book reader, but I would recommend the book and the film to anybody, especially in the Chris uh, John Carpenter's Christine ranks in my top five. For Carpenter films because I have to say it's number four number five because number one's always in a constant struggle between they live Halloween and uh, the thing so <laughs> yeah Christine's it's... usually Christine's usually locked in as safety the number four number five probably number four I'd say yeah same here for me like Christine is is like in the is at least four in a in a if I were to make like a top five, it would be four. <laughs> With the thing being number one, obviously. <laughs> uh, I always got a three-way battle going for number one of on my top five for Carpenter. I know it's pretty tough. Although I, I think, I think I've locked in the thing for for number one. I mean, the rest of them are fighting for first because you know. <laughs> but you gotta pick a favorite child. <laughs> yep, you have to. <laughs> That's pretty much all I have to say about Christine. Go out and read it. Go out and watch it. I say the both came out in 1983, so you can't miss. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I do, I do find myself using the word shitter a lot now as an insult since I started reading, so you might have to keep an eye on me. I'm like Arnie. I'm like Arnie. I start using the word shitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so. we've, we've reached the end of our of our conversation about Dr. Sleep and, and Christine, and um, I think we, we did pretty well. Um with both of them, we definitely, um, definitely gave them a good review for both. So, yeah, definitely, you know, as I, I gave Dr. Sleep High Praise, the book and the movie, I definitely highly recommend it. Um, excellent read, and Jared gave high praise to um, the book Christine and, and the movie. So definitely, if you, if you haven't, read the books or if you haven't seen any of the movies definitely watch them um it's worth a watch and worth a read absolutely so you you can't go wrong with either of them yeah christine gets a little bit of fair too because it's a john carpenter film yep (laughs) (laughs) it gets a little bit of biased (laughs) a little bit (laughs) yeah Well, 
I think this format turned out pretty well. Uh, I know I need to work. If we do, we do, we're going to do this again. And now I'm really wary about after what guy told me about reading Dracula. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll suffer through another like, oh suffer boy. through another suffer through another book now. <laughs> um, oh, muffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but we're, if you guys like this, we're willing to give this another try. We talked about um, since the Universal Mon- a couple two Universal Monster movies are turning ninety next year in twenty twenty one. Dracula and Frankenstein. Uh, most of I have pondered about doing this again with uh, Rob Stoker's Dracula, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and then comparing to the Universal Monster movies. So uh, we'll probably plan that for some time after the new year. So we can kill two birds with one stone so we can celebrate our beloved Universal Monsters and get a little bit of background of the source material with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, now that November is done... We do have some good Christmas goodies coming up for you now. That's all I'm going to leave you with for that. <laughs> you tune in and listen. <laughs> Download. Leave a review. Let's see what, what kind of goodies we got coming for Christmas. We got some new. I will give you this little tease. We do have some brand new guests coming for Christmas and after the new year. And some returning guests after the new year, too. Very exciting. So definitely, um, you know, if you if you want to be in the know or know, you know, when, um, you know, the episode comes out, uh, definitely find us on, um, find our podcast on Podbean, which is our, our home. And you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. And on both, actually, you can leave us, you can rate the, the episodes and also leave us a review. So whichever platform you choose, um, definitely leave a review and rate it. And it just helps us kind of, you know, let people see us a little bit more. And we may, you know, show up in different things and people may discover us a little bit easier. So definitely um, do that. And that would be awesome. Um, you can also uh, give us a follow on Facebook at Nerd United Nations Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter um, at Nerd United Pod, and on Instagram at Nerd United Nations Podcast. So, one any one of those social media platforms, give us a follow, a like, um, and then yeah, then also on Podbean and Apple Podcasts, so that you can get in the know of all the Christmas goodies coming up. <laughs> And stuff in the new year as God. well. <laughs> God damn it, Melissa Nicholson. That was a damn right slick transition you did there. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> that segue that segue was smoother than silk. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have an opportunity and I'm gonna take it and run with it. <laughs> You ran all the way to the fucking end zone with that transition, man. <laughs> yeah. A year and a half of podcasting, and that was a fucking smooth transition. <laughs> Bravo, madam. Well, thank you. <laughs> now that I've killed all momentum to make you laugh. <laughs> um, where can the f- listeners fi- follow you at? 
Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MissMelissaN25. And also, it's the same handle on Instagram. It's MissMelissaN25. And I also have, um, if anybody's interested, um, I do do some kind of weird drawings and stuff. <laughs> Not too weird, but, you know. Um... And it's the page is on Instagram, and it's called Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer. So if you're interested in that, definitely go give that page a follow. So I I kind of update it fairly regularly. Um, I haven't updated it. Well, actually, yes, I did update recently. So anyway, you can check me out on there if you want to. Um, where can they find you, Jared? Uh, you can find me on the tweets and Instagrams at QCA underscore Mista. M-I-S-T-A underscore J. Um, of course, my tribute to the greatest comic book character of all time, the Joker. Um, I'm not really super active on either one anymore. If you, if I stop and think about it, if anything, I'm plugging the show or I'm posting pictures of my cats because that's what the internet is for, right? Mm-hmm. Shameless self-promoting and pictures <laughs> of cute little cats. And I challenge you to find two cats cuter than mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a challenge. Again, my 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 cats are the John Carpenter films of cats, man. I have I have a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would... oh, yeah, you can find. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh-uh. Go ahead. I was going to say, you can also find me uh, bumming around the uh, Real Fans Real Movies page, too. Talking on there. Oh, and one quick self um, shameless promotion. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be, I was uh, recently on I Love That Movie podcast with uh, Lisa. And on Sunday, um, which is the, I don't know what date that is. Uh, uh, it'll be the 21st. So oh, Sunday, wait, oh wait, 20, uh, 22nd, 20, 22nd, 22nd, 22nd. Sorry. Yeah. So Sunday, the 22nd of November, the episode is going to go up. Um, we have a chat about the movie, uh, the African queen with Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. So, um, if you want to check that out, go find, you can find I Love That Movie podcast on most um, platforms like your Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, all that stuff. So you can easily find her on there. And you can check out the episode that I'm on. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, it'll already be out by the time this episode drops, but we will, we'll promote it on the page once it comes out. But uh, if you're just now listening to this, go back and listen to it. Give Lisa a like and subscribe and follow. Um, also, we mentioned uh, Anything Goes and Dark Tower Radio on here quite a bit with our friends uh, friends of the show. Go back and give those shows a listen. Uh, Dark Tower Radio is all Stephen King podcast. So if you enjoyed this show, go give uh, Jeremy a like and subscribe on Dark Tower Radio. I can highly recommend that. And uh, Tim... Tim, our buddy Tim Rooney covered uh, this on uh, Anything Goes with Andy DiGenova and Jeremy Lloyd. So go give uh, that episode of Christina a listen. Uh, that one's more based on the movie, but um, 
I do know for a fact that Jeremy has done episodes of Doctor Sleep, has done episode of Doctor Sleep on uh, Dark Tower Radio. So, and if you love our frequent uh, guest Guy Milks as much as he is, he's often quite a bit. He's found quite a bit on Dark Tower Radio. Unless you want to bring it on home for us, since you're on podcasting fire right now. <laughs> So, um, yeah, bringing it on home and, uh, uh, really hope that you enjoyed this, this episode. It was, um, I hope you liked it and I hope that, you know, you go check out the books, um, if you haven't read them or, you know, also go check out the movies. Um, and definitely, you know, it's right now is kind of a, um, I, I know it, it's a term that gets used a lot, but it's kind of a strange, darker time right now. And you know, we all, um, you know, we all we all need some some light in in, in this darkness because it is kind of a, a completely unexpected <laughs> moment in time. So um, you know, make sure that you're 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 being kind to to people and being patient with people and. You know, know that we're all struggling through this together. So, um, you know, I, my last thought is is uh, be excellent to each other. <laughs> and party on, dudes. See you later. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.